talk the mystery du jour, B-plots, and our favorite scenes and lines. We won't spoil you on the season-long mystery, yet, but the mystery du jour is fair game. I'm Corey, your longtime marshmallow. And I'm Sean S. Preston Esquire, and we are... Okay, fine. You're supposed to say Wild Stallions. I have no idea what we're doing right now. <laughs> Was that a, a thing? It's a Bill and Ted. Are you not, a, are you not familiar with Bill and Ted? Why would we be talking about Bill and Ted? <laughs> I don't know. It popped into my head when I was writing stuff last night. <laughs> okay. But you don't, are you not familiar with, with Bill and Ted? I think I saw it like once. Oh my goodness. A real long, <sighs> okay, long time. So, we don't, this is not a Bill and Ted podcast. So um, we're going to be taking a break at the end of season one. Right. And I think to keep our chops warm, we should watch and review Bill and Ted and Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. God, you know, there's just so much I plan to do during our break. Yeah, and that is one of the things. I just don't know if I have time for that. <laughs> Keanu Reeves is in it. I do love Keanu Reeves. And they're doing a reboot. Oh. They're doing it. A- just kidding. Some things should stay done. All right. <laughs> so, not Veronica Mars, though. July 26th, Marshmallows. Get your Hulu account. All right, so today we're talking about season one, episode 17. We are five episodes away from the Yes, finale. we are. I am so excited. I'm at the edge of my seat. I know. Literally, because that's, that's I put why two I said, behind my back. <laughs> that's why I said that we have, we're not going to spoil you on the season-long mysteries yet, but very soon here, things are going to start coming together at a rapid pace. So if somebody, consider this your warning. Yeah, if somebody's listening to 20-something episodes of our show, I would, I would hope... That they had seen this. I mean, if they just like listening to us talk and that's banter, fine. that's that's great, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. All right. So today we're talking about season one, episode 17, Cain's and Abel's. Veronica tracks down Abel Kuntz's daughter while elsewhere. Someone is hell bent on making sure Neptune's valedictorian doesn't win the prestigious Cain scholarship. Before we get started, I have some corrections corner. Ooh. Um, I have two of them. Specifically, in last week's episode, I talked about gambling and odds, and I don't think I explained it correctly. I don't know that for sure, but I'm pretty sure when I was editing, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. So I apologize (laughs) if how I explained it or spoke of gambling sounded wrong, because it probably is. Because uh, I don't, I don't. You just you just weren't gambling. explaining it very well. I don't know about odds and sides and <laughs> the lines and whatever. That's not my wheelhouse. Uh, second correction: Leo and Veronica went to dinner at a Chinese food restaurant. Ha <laughs> Yes. No. No. You said that they were going to this restaurant to have dinner. Oh damn it! They went to Chinese uh-huh. first. They went to Chinese first. Damn it! And then stopped by the jazz club for some gelato. Okay, so we were both wrong. No, I was jazz right. club for why do they have gelato at a jazz club? Because it's not a jazz club. It's you just, just said a, it was a jazz club. Well, I was trying to. You called it a jazz club, so I was using uh-huh. jazz club to reference. They went to the restaurant to have some dessert and listen to jazz music. So I was right. I'm glad it bothered you enough to go look it up. It did. No, I didn't look it up. <laughs> or I or was it editing it, and I. Okay, so I did look it up, but I was like, "Oh, I was right." I'm gonna make sure to mention that next week. So. I did want to bring something up as uh, well, and uh-huh. this isn't about the last episode. It's about one before. It's okay. a, I actually told you about it at the office, but I wanted to get it down on tape. Okay. In, which one was it? It was the one with know. Manny, the flower guy. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Manny, and we were giving Manny shit for um, describing Duncan as a, Ooh. Ooh. I think in the first or second episode, I was re-listening to our podcast, and I d- described Duncan exactly the same way, like, verbatim i said Ugh. so is that verbatim yeah so that's why i think i think my subconscious that's why i voted for him for um for mvp yeah. because i just had this connection with you're him. like a I dude didn't. bro i get you 
All right, so mystery de jour. It, de jour. It actually seemed like the subplots were more... Of the main thing. Of the main thing in this one. I feel like that happens as we get more towards the end, is as the Lily Kane investigation gets more and more, we get closer to a resolution, it does sort of take center stage to the mystery du jours. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're still going to break it out this way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I was just excited that uh, it's like I felt like I got a little bit of a reprieve. It was like, oh, it's a little shorter this time. It was still a lot of stuff. Anyway, so it is midterms at Neptune High. Oh, no. Intention is running well. I hate exams. Hi. Uh, <laughs> um, the mystery du jour starts with the teacher handing out tests and a Veronica voiceover. As if I didn't have enough stress in my life, today marks the beginning of that orgy of tension known as midterms. Orgy of tension. I mean, it's apt. What crowd was that supposed to be appealing to here? I don't know. <laughs> and by the way, um, Orgy of Tension is going to be the name of my post-grunge industrial band that I'll be putting together after this. <laughs> Which I think the girl kicking her locker would probably love that band. Uh, she, Sabrina? She, yeah, she seemed a little... I, we don't know her name yet. Right now she oh, is okay. Girl Kicking Locker. Okay. But that's going to be the name of my first song. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Locker Kicker. Okay. Locker Kicker by Orgy of Tension. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be a thing. We're going to be huge. We're going to be the next Nickelback. Oh, God. I don't know if that's <laughs> necessarily something to which to expire. So, expire? <laughs> in which to expire, yes. Not inspire or perspire. <laughs> or aspire. <laughs> All the spires. Um, so in class, locker kicker Sabrina is complaining to the teacher that she wasn't able to study because she can't get any sleep. She's been being harassed by somebody. And it sounds like a pretty creative harasser. Or is it? The... the face in the phone sex ad with the phone number that's pretty fucking creative i was i was actually a little impressed with that one yeah do you know what made me really happy about this scene what's that uh she ends up getting the teacher to agree to let her to reschedule to take her test uh-huh. and one of the students kind of makes a, a comment like what happened to being late and if you're late there's no points or whatever and then she leaves and when she sees veronica later she says that she just had to reschedule her AP history exam. And I'm like, I'm sorry. How is Dick Casablanca <laughs> in an AP history class? Because he is the gentleman sitting in front of Hamilton Chow, yeah, who we'll the learn one, about later. He's the one who coughed like, um, I need to be punished or something like that. Oh, something like that. Yeah. A bad girl or whatever yeah, yeah. it was. And I'm like, and that, it would have been fine if it was just a regular class, like English but then she's like, it's my AP history class. And I'm like, how on earth did he get into that class? It is Dick Casablanca. Maybe that's his thing. That is his one thing that he's no, got. He has no things. <laughs> I mean, I love I love Dick Casablanca as a character. He's a wonderful character. But I do not buy, well, I guess, unless his parents paid right. someone to let him into that class. But they don't do that in high school, do you? At Neptune, you do. Yeah. But anyway, I just had a real good... I literally... That's my only thing. It's LOL. How is Dick Casablanca in AP history? <laughs> it's my note in my uh, document here. I had a good good laugh. Uh, I did not even think about that. That's yeah. hilarious. So great. Okay, continue. Okay. So anyways, this creative harasser um, with the face and the phone sex ad. But then the, his second deed, which is letting air out of the tire. Not so creative. Like, that's actually the second time we've seen that in this series. Mm, the flat. Yep. Well, it would have postponed her from getting to school in time to I, take the test. I mean, no. And there's no Uber back then. <laughs> it's true. There, there was still mom. This is true. And I'm pretty sure that mom's not going to let Sabrina be late to school. Well, that was the mom that was sitting on the board of the mm-hmm. um, from the Mars versus Mars episode uh-huh. when um, Carrie Bishop was going up in front of the school board mm-hmm. with accusations against Mr. Rooks. Yes. So she's the school board president. I get that. Okay. It's just she'd probably drive Sabrina to school. Oh, for sure. Anyway, so she, as you mentioned, Sabrina does get a reprieve, so she's going to be able to reschedule her test, much to the uh, disdain of some of her fellow classmates. Um, one of them we'll talk a little more about here in a little bit, mm-hmm. who actually makes a crack about her mom being the school board president. And like, yeah, I guess she does get to get away with things and gets yeah. to have tests rescheduled, even mm-hmm. though, we, yeah. you know, that was the rule. <laughs> And so the ne- next scene, Sabrina storms into Veronica's office. Quote, unquote. A- A.K.A. the bathroom. When Veronica's actually using the bathroom, well, like she's washing her hands. Yeah. She's not in there waiting for a client to walk in, and, but she's conveniently there. She's like, oh, <laughs> I've been told this is where you meet people. Right. 
It's a little it, weird. And I'm glad that they finally addressed that in the yeah. show because we've been talking about it for a while. But well, I just like that it's circulated, that that's where Veronica like has these conversations with people who need her help. Well, if you think about it now, we're nine, eight or nine months into the school mm-hmm. year, so... If she's doing a mystery a week, that's, <laughs> that's a, a lot, lot of, of mysteries. A lot of, and then there was that whole time where she was getting info on people's parents. I mean, that's like 20 in a week, I'm sure. Yeah. So she's got a reputation. I'm just thinking like, yeah, but her, about her reputation is that she already has kind of a reputation. People yeah, already talk crap about her. But now her reputation is she's the girl you find in the bathroom. <laughs> Who helps you out of some sticky situations. Yeah. I also, you know, thinking back too on a lot of these moments because you know Neptune and this is very much something that happens a lot in this episode and we can talk more about this later but it's very much a discussion of the have and haves and have nots which is a prevailing theme in Veronica Mars it's something that they also talk about is going to be present in the revival out July 26 on Hulu and I think that a lot of the people who end up coming for her help are people who can't really take care of it like, they can't pay somebody to take care of it for them. Mm-hmm. Like, it is people who need her help, like Wanda Varner, Mac, um, Georgia in the first episode mm-hmm. with The Clash. Although, she was rich because she actually, and that actually ends my theory, because she gave a stranger $3,000. <laughs> like an idiot. Anyway, continue. Anyway. So, Sabrina tra- tracks down Veronica. Yep. What happens next? And so she wants to find out, well, she, she already thinks she knows who is harassing her, and she wants to pay Veronica mm-hmm. to make her ex-boyfriend, Kaz, stop harassing her. Who we met in the previous a- yeah. episode. Zachary Ty Bryan from right. Home Improvement. Mm-hmm. I just stop, keep interrupting stop you. Stop interrupting me. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, Veronica wants to turn down the job because she's doing midterms as well, yeah. but she's got some other ex- extracurriculars going on that she needs to fund. Which I'll talk which about. Which we'll talk about in a little bit. All right, so Veronica approaches Kaz in the in the parking lot as he's getting into his Yukon <laughs> with his gym bag. I think he had a gym bag. I don't know. Uh-huh. He's going he's to the gym. The, he's a basketball player. And uh, she cuts straight to it. Kaz, I'm kind of busy, so let's play this and fast forward. I ask you to stop harassing Sabrina Fuller. You deny it. I eventually catch you. You're suspended, dropped from basketball, and made the subject of a news blurb that everyone chuckles at in the paper. So stop harassing Sabrina, okay? And Kaz denies it pretty convincingly. <laughs> I would jump off the roof if she asked me. <laughs> More to that, more on that in a minute. But <laughs> he's such a tool. Yeah, but he claims he's still crazy about her. He's, you know, he, he's clearly still gaga for her, and he's like, I couldn't possibly want to hurt her. Which is what ab- abusers. But say. I gotta go to the gym. I gotta go to the gym. <laughs> but this is a new mystery, though. Why did Sabrina and Kaz break up? Do we really care? Yeah. <laughs> also, have you seen Kaz? I'm pretty sure I know why Sabrina broke up with oh, him. Oh man. He's a dud. This is things are gonna get interesting later. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so flash forward to Mars investigations. Um, the only really important part here is we get to meet the new. Well, not new. It's new to us. He's new to us. I guess he's been around a little longer than Keith has. Vinny Van Lowe. Vinny Van Lowe. AKA Corey's maybe favorite character in this entire y- show. Really? Yeah. Huh. I mean, is he just fun to watch? He's just excellent. Like, Ken Marino plays him so well. He's such a fun character. He's such an asshole, but he's also so delightful. He just <laughs> brightens up the screen every time he's on it. I just love him. He, ca- he kind of reminds me of Nathan I, Fillion a little bit. A little bit, yeah. yeah. I love Vinny Van Lowe. Okay. I have some great stories we'll talk about at the end of this podcast episode. But. Cool. So, is, it, is it, his name supposed to be a play on, like, Vincent Van Gogh? I have no kind idea. Of. I have no idea. <laughs> But I adore him. And he is the best entrance. He like swings into Mars Investigations, like <laughs> hanging on the, he's just a shadow. And yeah. he's just like, hello. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> oh, I was so, I've been counting down to this episode specifically for this entrance of this character. But he, is, I mean, he's kind of, he comes in kind of slimy. Like That's what's so great yeah. <laughs> about him is he's the quintessential slimy, douchey PI. PI. Yeah. But he's also so dumb but also smart it's he's the the most fascinating collection of personality and skills like he's just you don't want to underestimate him but at the same time he's an idiot it's the strangest (laughs) thing but it makes him such a delightful character sorry continue so we get to meet Vinny um, and more to come on him well I mean it's important to know that they're kind of rivals 
not rivals, but they're they're both in the business. And while Keith maintains a level of morality in what he does, Vinny is very slimy and not very ethical. So a woman has approached Keith and wants him to hire a prostitute to take her husband to a hotel. And then when the money shot's about to happen, get her a picture so she can blackmail or not blackmail him, but show that the prenup was violated it's basically entrapment and, mm-hmm. and keith says no i'm not gonna do this and she's like fine i'll take it to Vinny." and keith explains all right do that just know that you'll pro- he'll probably give you the Vinny special which is he then goes to the husband and says hey for twice what your mother <laughs> for twice what your wife paid me i'll give you the photo instead so it's like he's unreliable he's unethical he's just in it to make the most money and, and I think that's important to know the difference between the two of them is one is of caliber and one is not. And Vinny is very much of the mindset that he's a better PI than, than Keith, mm-hmm. which is just that kind of cocky ignorance. But then at the same time, he might be a genius. I don't know. It's really hard. It's really hard with Vinny. All it's right. So now we know more about Vinny. Um. He's so great. <laughs> So flash forward to Sabrina's house, and Veronica shows up and interrupts Sabrina being tutored um, in natural science by her mother. Ugh, boring. <laughs> Mom is a little perturbed by the interruption, but Sabrina assures her, "I'm just, I'm just tutoring her. It's okay." And then they go into, they start talking in um, Italian. Semi trattiana la rancuda nella cantina, ma protebi stapari el buon vino. And for those of you who don't speak fluent Italian, I feel sorry for you, because we do here at Life After Mars. No, we don't. Um, The translation says, Sabrina says, if she stays too long, I will lock her in the basement. And then her mom says, but she could open the good wine. It better be the attic. (laughs) You know, I actually never ever googled that like to find out what it was they were saying i was just like look at these pretentious rich people and just kept watching the scene that's really funny <laughs> it really is. so it's actually like a full-on conversation yes it is they would have been great if veronica knew what they were saying and responded well, i thought she said something she was sabrina was listing off all the oh, different classes the of animals yeah. and she was like you forgot this one and she's like no you just interrupted that's right it's such a sabrina thing because because she, she said that and at first i was like oh she speaks italian because they got the French thing going on, so who knows? But that's right, I realize. <laughs> the romance languages. <laughs> well, you know, if you know French, you know Italian. Do you? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure lots of French people and Italian people will agree with me. Anyway, she put a tracker on Kaz's car, and she wants to hang out there mm-hmm. and see if he's going to come around. So she's watching the tracker. The Yukon's not moving anywhere. Phone rings, and Veronica answers it. And it's another slimy guy calling the phone ad. And which is great because Veronica just plays along. She's like, yeah, this is Sabrina. Oh, you need to be punished or whatever. And then she, the most ethical use for a PI database, <laughs> she pulls up this guy. He's got her, uh, caller she's ID. got the caller ID and then pulls the guy up in the database and then just starts listing out all his debt and divorces and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, is this really, is this really? Oh, the, I, it's the best scene. I'm surprised you didn't want to pull the quote for this one because it's, I love when she's like, um, Sabrina commands you, pull your pants up and get, get a, a job. job. Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought it was funny. I'm just thinking, like, oh. is that the most ethical use for that software? That oh, you, hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah, it is. <laughs> it's the best. So there's a truck that's been driving back and forth outside the house. and A really squeaky yeah, yellow truck. Old, with old pickup truck. Stuff hanging out of the back. Which Veronica pushes a pram out in front of. Because you just have a pram. I mean, is anybody in their house a baby? She's got like a little kid that opens the door, which you shouldn't have a little kid opening the door when it's dark. Is there a little kid opening the door? I don't. Yeah, like her, like Sabrina's little brother opens the no, door I when Veronica knocks on it. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, they just have a pram sitting there, so they push that. And I was excited; I got to use the word pram in a podcast. Mm. Like, how often do we get to use the word pram these days? Never. We don't. Like when we're quoting Veronica Mars and singing along to the Camelot song from Monty Python's Holy Grail. Or talking about Peter Pan. No. Yeah. Babies falling out of their prams. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that one. Maybe we should do that instead of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. We could do both. Like, okay, we could put them side by side and do an analysis, an in-depth analysis. No, this sounds like a bad idea. A veto, <laughs> veto. All right, continuing on. 
Um, so it is Kaz in the, in the pickup truck that's driving back and forth. Such an idiot. <laughs> Once again, he swears that you wouldn't hurt her and then swears again that he's going to jump, jump off something. jump off the roof. <laughs> I'll jump off the roof if she asks me to. I love that that's like his like apex of what he would do to prove how devoted he is to her. He would jump off. I was like, that literally proves nothing except that you're an idiot. I think he just really wants to jump off of something. <laughs> he's it's like entirely possible. He's like, oh, I would totally jump off a roof for you. You want me to jump off a roof for you? I'll jump off a roof for you. I mean, I would. I'll, I'll I would. It. If you, I'll, if you I'll, asked me, I'll, I'll do it. Like, I'll do he's it right, just right, not in my direction. Like right now. Just wink? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just breathe. Hold your breath. Okay, so I'm going to go do it? Like, he just wants to jump off of something. <laughs> Such an idiot. I wouldn't put it past him. And But it does look like he's innocent because, fortunately, right around that time, a group of ravers shows up. <laughs> to roll. And I don't know why she thought Kaz could have orchestrated any of this oh god no <laughs> he's not uh, that smart but the ravers one that's also a pretty good one too and and i guess we can get into a little bit what you know the the mastermind behind all these uh brilliant deflection deflections whatever so distractions yeah there we go so flash forward mars investigations oh <laughs> we did that out of order but it's okay <laughs> we haven't met vinnie van lo yet we just met him this is where we actually meet Vinny Venlo before it's... Who cares? Yeah, whatever. Back at Neptune High, Sabrina's crying in the quad. Oh, she, poor thing. She got a B on her bio oh, exam. Oh, no. But, I mean, it, it it would be pretty devastating to be knocked out of the valedictor- valedictorian slot. like By a 100th of a point. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I get that. That's something to be upset about. Um, but this is where we found out find out that Hamilton, the guy who was talking crap about... Her, her getting to reschedule her test. Yeah, he's actually now in line for valedictorian. So now mm-hmm. he is number one suspect. Uh, well, and the reason behind that is the valedictorian is going to win. And we haven't covered this I'll yet. I'll talk about that. Okay, cool. So anyway. The valedictorian is going to win a full ride wherever they want to go in the world scholarship from the Kane Foundation, which was started... In memory of Lily. So they, and he gets into Oxford, I think Mm -hmm. he says. And so it's huge. Yeah, we're going to get to that in a second. So, yeah, there's a lot at stake here, Mm -hmm. especially for somebody in Hamilton's situation. So she goes to visit Hamilton where he works, which is his family's pizza shop, Cho's Pizza. It's an Italian, fine Italian food. (laughs) <laughs> in quotes yeah fine Italian food <laughs> run by an Asian family which yeah. is great I love it yeah let's do it I mean there's a taco place that's down like the, the beginning of fusion they were way ahead of the time mm-hmm. in 2005 <laughs> and now you get fusion everywhere so was fusion that really a thing in 2005 I lived in Lampasas around that time like, I can't remember if it was a thing yeah I mean Taco Bell and Pizza Hut were in the same building <laughs> in 2005 so <laughs> maybe <laughs> Oh, man. We had one around the corner from one of the houses I lived at in, in high school. Western culture has come so far. <laughs> Wait, and I can get KFC here, too? Man. Yeah. Anyway, so I <laughs> chose pizza, and and uh, Hamilton's working behind the counter. And this is where we find out that he was accepted into Oxford mm-hmm. and does not like Sabrina. He refers to her as the teenage witch. God, Oxford would be amazing. Yeah. And, um, you know, and Veronica actually swoops in and kind of defends her here. She's had it pretty tough this week. Boo-hoo. You know how many breaks she's had? She got AP credit for a school-sponsored trip to Rome. Her mom is the school board president. I mean, how can I compete with that? I work 20 hours a week, no tutors. It's just the way it is here. Money talks, et cetera, et cetera. Which? The haves and the haves nots. Yep, and that's that's kind of a recurring theme in yeah. this entire show. It is. It is really unfortunate that, you know, or not, I don't know. It's I, I can understand Hamilton's perspective on this, that it's she has been afforded a lot of really great opportunities because of her family's position and mm-hmm. wealth, and he, in turn, has had to work really hard for where he's gotten, and it's difficult because they his family financially doesn't have access to the things that she does, and so it's just the scales aren't balanced in his Right. Favorite. If it was a level playing field, he'd be like miles ahead. 
Probably. Yeah, if he had the, the resources, doesn't have to work 20 hours a week. To, he had tutors. That he could go and do volunteering. He could travel. He could do all of these different things for credit for school or to build out his application. Right. But instead, all he can do is just study his ass off and work really hard. And obviously he has. He got into Oxford. Right. And, I mean, not, not really to take anything away from Sabrina there, too. I'm sure she worked her ass off, too. Oh, she's incredibly smart. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, you know, when you can have private tutors and you don't have to worry about working to help your parents' business run because you, they are wealthy and you can just not even work yourself and just hang out at home and study. Yes, studying is a legit thing that you have to do and I'm not taking away any of the work that she's put into it, but she has dedicated time to do that. She's not having to balance a dozen different things. Right. It's just a different life situation. And you can't really compare them because I'm sure she hasn't had the easiest time with it either. But it's just a matter of they're in two completely different positions. Mm-hmm. So it's hard and, to and understand. It, I mean, that's the world. It really is. For, it really is, yeah. And so moral of the story here, it seems like Hamilton has plenty of motive to be the Mess harasser. With her. Yeah. yeah. And but no time. Like yeah. how, he has no time. He works at his parents and he studies. Well, all we have is his word on this. Like, we mm-hmm. don't know. We haven't seen his time card. This is true. Yeah. So uh, Veronica feels for him, but she's not working for him. She's working for her client and uh, always the professional. So she puts a tracker on his car, too. His delivery vehicle. His, <laughs> his car. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying. He also is. He does Every car is a delivery vehicle, Corey. Well, because it delivers people? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, Sean. Uh, so, flash forward, Sabrina and Veronica are talking on the phone, and Sabrina's just in hysteria. There's been a car alarm going off outside her house, off and on, uh, all night. Every time they call the cops, the cops show up, the alarm goes off. And that is, that, that this so far, I think, is probably the worst of the, um, of the torture so of far. Of the distractions? Yeah. Because yeah. you can just unplug your phone if people keep calling right. because they well, want to get no, off. No, can't do that because doc- her dad's a doctor. Oh, that's true. Although I did mean to bring this up. You know, even in 2005, you New probably pagers. could change your phone number in one day. This is true. Which would probably be the logical action there. Or just like go study in a room that doesn't have a phone in it. Right. Anyway. Let the answering machine pick it up. Everybody's got answering machines. 2005. God, can you imagine all the answering <laughs> machines that are on there? And just like change the outgoing message to you have reached the Neptune Police Department. I do like that. Yeah. Anyway, so the car alarm's going off, and but Veronica's been tailing Hamilton all night, and he's nowhere near there. She's been tracking him. She's yeah. watching him. He's sitting in the window of the pizza restaurant right. studying. He's got like a pile of books open. Right. So being she, ever she's been the watch- diligent student. Yeah. She's been watching him, so it doesn't look like it's it's Hamilton either. Um, but she does get Sabrina to to go grab the plate number the uh, license plates and that she looks it up and it looks like the plates belong to Mr. Van Lowe's ex-wife. Which one though? Yeah. <laughs> Number three. Masako. Just kidding. It wasn't Masako. <laughs> I, I just love how he's like, Masako. Like, like she's, he... obviously it must be that one. <laughs> of course she did. We do have a blood feud. <laughs> oh God, I love him. So she's got a plan and she borrows some of Sabrina's spirit gear mm-hmm. and her and Veronica go Pay a visit to Mr. Van Lowe. Sabrina stays in the car, obviously. Yeah, but they go to his office. Yep. And so Veronica shows up, and her play in this is that uh, she's there to turn down Vinny's offer on behalf of her father. Right. And also sell some cookies mm-hmm. for school spirit. School spirit. Go Pirates. <laughs> his mom is so sweet. And I love that it's his mom that's his secretary, <laughs> in the same way that it's Keith Mars's daughter that runs his uh-huh. office. Like It's just a cute little family operation. Uh-huh. But it is funny because, you know, that mother just thinks the world of her son and her son's an idiot. <laughs> but also a genius. I don't know. Verdict's still out. So, and she just ha- so happens to have Vinny's favorite cookies. I think that's just... Well, everybody loves them. Uh, nah. Well, I know some people who don't, I like, don't like I don't like Girl Scout cookies. Well, these aren't Girl Scout cookies. Yeah, they are. These are Neptune Vin Mints cookies. are Girl Scout cookies. Whatever. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> now I want cookies. So she actually sells two boxes of cookies too. So bam, double. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes. If you buy two, you, you get, get a pin. You get a pirate pin. There's a lot of pins in this scene. There is um, pins and pens. <laughs> Did you actually? Was there a difference in the way you said it? I, I think pins and pen. pins and pens. Pens, pens, pens. P e n. I get it. A pin. I get it. I get it. She wears a pen. She writes. I've just with. never heard an actual pin you know, and a pen. I thought they were homophones. No, pin and a pen. Okay. 
This so, is fun. So our vote <laughs> for the week isn't going to be MVP. It's how the hell do you say is pin and pen? Is it a pin or a pen? <laughs> pin and a pen. Do you really think that they're the same thing? They sound the same? No, they don't. Okay. Not when you say it. That's why I asked pin you. Pin and a pen. Yeah. I, I, when I say it, I say both of them pin. This is really interesting. Yeah. Let's turn this into a pronunciation podcast. <laughs> how do you say milk? milk. I, I say milk. Milk. People say milk. Milk. Because it's got an I in it. I know. Not an E. I know. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. And being from Central Texas, I say eem. Like, I'm going to see him this afternoon. I'm overdoing it right now, but in replace for him. Oh, yeah. Let's move on from this it, before it's we a, follow It's a Central Texas thing. Cause it, sure. No, it, so Central Texans and Midwesterners have a lot of the overlap in the way that they talk uh-huh. because of the strong like Germanic or German background. Okay. I've done some research on this. Obviously. Anyway, if we'll anybody, start a new podcast. If anybody ever hears me say "eem," that's where that's where that comes from. I used to have a friend who'd point it out every time I said it and shame me for it. Oh, my friend Abby used to give me hell for saying milk. milk. She'd be like, "I'm sorry, you want to do what now?" And I was like, "I need to get some milk." And she's like, "Huh? What?" Same with pillow. Cool whip. Whatever. Anyway, let's continue. <laughs> Back to Vinny. So pin she, and a pen. She sells the cookies, and which comes with a pirate's pin. Pin. Did I say it right? Yes. Okay. Um, and then Vinny comes out <laughs> complaining about his sandwich. Mom! Too much mayo! Too much mayo! I told you to cut the crust off! I mean, that's not what he says, but. <laughs> basically, though. <laughs> and he's wearing a ridiculous mustache. His fake mustache. God, I love Which, it. Which, I mean, had he it's been wearing that. an the, image. Had he been wearing that the entire time, then I would have accepted it. But just being able to see it without and with. Mm-hmm. It's like his Tom Selleck mustache. Right. <laughs> so. Um, Veronica tells Vinny that Keith's not interested and gives him the pen, the writing kind, mm-hmm. <laughs> as a peace offering <laughs> with, with, oh, name and phone number and everything. So fancy. And then she also confronts Vinny about him harassing Sabrina. In the car. In the car. And that's when he's like, she's like, it's your ex-wife. And he's like, who? Deborah? No. Masako. <laughs> <laughs> so she's we, like, no, not that one either. <laughs> so we've, we definitely know he's been divorced at least three times. Mm-hmm. At least. Um... So anyway, she takes off. She leaves. She goes out of the car. And then uh, Sabrina's like, so what the hell did that accomplish? I sold two boxes of cookies. Mm -hmm. And here comes my favorite part in the entire episode. (laughs) So she pulls out her laptop. And, you know, I would actually expect her to, you know, go around the the corner or something before she did this. Might have a range issue. Yeah, it might be. Um, So uh, there's a bug in the pen, obviously. And so she's listening in on the conversation. And Vinny's talking to his mom about the cookies. And then he's like, what? What's that, that that band I like that sings that song? No, oh, Hall of Notes. And then I can't remember their full names. But anyway, Private Eyes. Private Eyes, I watch you. They see your every move. Yeah, Veronica Moss, I'm watching you. Private Eyes, I'm watching you. Hall of Notes, Veronica. They wrote the song and now you're living it. How's it feel? Private eyes, I'm watching you. I like it. Veronica Mars, I'm watching you. Oh, that is my most favorite part in this entire like entire episode scene or like series. Series. I mean, I can't tell you how many times when I hear that song on the radio, I sing it as Veronica Mars, I'm watching. Like it's just. And and the way he does it, and and it's that thing where it's like he knew exactly what she was doing when he handed her, when she handed him that pen, mm-hmm. is he's like, this is a bug. He's smart. I mean, it is an obvious move on her part, almost to the point where you're like, that was dumb, Veronica. Of course he's going to know. But it's just, it's just very funny, and it plays to that whole competition, and I, I just, I adore him. And I, actually, a funny story, um... When they decided to do the movie, they they did, they filmed it. They had the big Kickstarter, and then they did a panel at uh, Comic Con, and they had everybody the cast up in the front, and everybody's filling in the room, and then dur- I don't know if it was at the beginning or sometime during the panel. 
that Ken Marino walks into the back of the room and just starts, Veronica Mars, I'm watching. And he like sings and he's walking up the aisle and like, and everybody's losing their mind. And he just like (laughs) walks in to this. He's like, I'm just gonna be on this panel too. I'm pretty sure that's how it went. But yeah, there was like a rendition of him having that Vinnie Van Lowe entrance because of course he's in the movie. Spoiler alert, he's a reoccurring character. But I also feel like he's an example of a character that was probably just meant to be in this one episode. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of characters who I think were just meant to serve one simple purpose in an episode and then people just loved them or the actor did the character so well that they're like, oh, we got to use this character again. It's the same in um, Game of Thrones. Who was it in Game of Thrones? Leanna Mormont. Oh, she was only yeah. supposed to be in one episode. That's true. They loved Leanna Mormont. She was great. And then also in Stranger Things, Steve, the ex-boyfriend from the mm-hmm. first ep- from the first season, they had intended, I think he was either just going to be a one-off or he might have was supposed to die or something. But the kid so earnestly, the actor, so earnestly wanted to give Steve dimension and have him not actually be this asshole boyfriend that she's dating. And they ended up keeping him around and grew a really great storyline out of it. He ends up becoming best friends to one of the kids in particular. And what comes of it for his character, I think, is a very kind of satisfying character arc. Mm-hmm. And a, and it's just a really great example of how sometimes you write these characters and the actors help them kind of take on a life of their own. And I really feel like that's what happened with Vinny is, you know, one episode for sure he's being introduced here for the role that he plays. And maybe they had some other ideas of where they could use him. But I think it's definitely one of those instances where he becomes such a big presence that they keep him around. Mm -hmm. And Ken Marino is also in Party Down, which is another series of Rob Thomas that has, like, Adam Scott in it. Ryan Hansen, who plays Dick Casablancas, is also in it. Jane Lynch is in it. Uh, But Ken Marino plays a, a very central role. He's, like, the director of this catering company is kind of like a square it's Mm -hmm. it's delightful ken marino is wonderful but anyway sorry getting back on track (laughs) so vinnie van lowe singing out the window yeah and i could talk about him forever (laughs) so veronica and sabrina look up and then there's him singing using the pen as a microphone got him because there's a bug in it (laughs) he's got to sing into the mic and then we're all thinking now veronica's busted the and what the hell veronica that was so obvious yeah but the pen was just the distraction for Mm -hmm. the pen the pin was what we really wanted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> was there? Am I remembering this correctly, or did I dream it? There was there a camera in there. There was a camera okay. in the pin. Yeah. Which it's a pretty high tech uh, technology for 2005. Do you think the camera was in its eyeballs? Because the pin had a pirate on it. Uh-huh. I don't the pin know. had a pirate on it, and so I think the camera was in its eyeball. I don't know. The files are in the computer. All right, and and here when we're watching the the video from the pin, uh, we see every villain in this show's downfall. Asking their assistant to call someone for them. So far, it's a trend. <laughs> like, if you pick up the damn phone yourself, you'll get away with it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's called Jim, which we, we, using some context clues, we figure out. Well, she's like, why? You just had a sandwich. Why do you want pizza? Right. And so, and then Veronica does her whole. I know what happened. I know what happened. So, flash forward to the Kane residence Ugh. and sitting around the room. Um, Hamilton's there with his dad. Jim. Jim. And then Sabrina and her mom and then the Canes and everybody. And Veronica. And Veronica. Well, I say everybody. Veronica's always in everybody. Mm. Anyway. For me. Okay. If Veronica's not there, everybody's not there. How's that? And it looks like Jim is actually the one who paid Vinny to sabotage Sabrina so his son could become valedictorian. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, who could blame the guy? Like, he just wants his kid to have the absolute best. And you know, whatever it takes to do so. And and it's obvious that Hamilton had nothing to do with this, and he should not be punished for this at all whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, should he get valedictorian? It's this whole thing about um, Donald Trump, right? Oh, God. <laughs> but it's like, oh, the Russians helped me win this election, but I didn't have any part in it. Therefore, I shouldn't be punished. Right. But it's like, if somebody steals a car and gives it to me, do I get to keep that car? No. No. <laughs> But I, I do think it's it's an unfortunate situation because I do think he's he's right and that Hamilton had no idea this was happening. Hamilton was still studying, working hard. Mm-hmm. It's not like Hamilton took a seat back and was like, well, then I can relax because my dad's taking care of this right. and I don't have to work anymore. 
You know, Hamilton's been working as hard as he's been working this entire time. And, yeah. It's a difficult situation. It really is. And, and it's heartbreaking, too. And and uh, props to Jake on this. Like, Jake's like, he, he sees this as like, yeah, this is a shitty situation. So this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. As long as you, fin- you guys finish first and second, we'll just split it down the middle. Mm-hmm. And I think that's perfectly reasonable. Whatever the whatever's happening with the dad, that you know that is what it is. But I think that half and half split is perfectly mm-hmm. reasonable. I think that's the best possible outcome in that situation. Mm-hmm. And he offers that, and everybody's looking around like, "Well, that sounds reasonable," except for Sabrina's fucking mom. Mm-hmm. Ah man, I wanted to slap her so hard. Yeah, she's like, "No, how about this? Here's a deal we can have." Um, Hamilton drops out of the valedictorian race, and I won't press charges. Like fucking bitch, right? Yeah, that's so. God, yeah. It, I mean, that's a that's a hard corner because if they press charges, then there's legal stuff, and even if it doesn't pan out or whatever, the amount of money the parents would have to shell over to legally represent themselves, they could lose their business. There's right. so much that they'll financially lose that it wouldn't be worth it. And the thing is, first of all, can you just drop out of the valedictorian race? Is that a thing? <laughs> Well, I think it just means like I think I don't think it's valedictorian necessarily. It's step out of the race for the well, they, that the scholarship. She specifically says. I think, but I think it means more for the scholarship. But yeah, I mean, I think you probably could if you just don't want to get counted. He's I, basically saying I don't want to be valedictorian I, even I, if I was I never win it. never even remotely close enough. To, oh God, to neither that, was I. <laughs> have any idea how that works? I graduated. <laughs> That's all we needed to I happen. I was like right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Three hundred and fifty students. I was like number one hundred and seventy-five. There you go. Yep. Anyway, so. She says that, and then and Hamilton's dad's like, no, no, fuck no, you know, press charges, whatever. My boy's going to college. And, and the shittiest part about this is, who needs this scholarship? Between, the two, between Sabrina and Hamilton, who needs it? Hamilton. Because I don't think Sabrina needs it. God, no. Sabrina can qualify for other scholarships. I'm sure, I'm sure she has. Yeah. I'm sure she's got, with all of the, the leagues and clubs and connections. and connections that her moms have, she could get so many things. And in yeah. California, too, there's a lot of free aid. There's Pell Grants. There's, well, I mean, I Hamilton she, will be able to get some I don't of that. Think, I don't think she'd be able to qualify for a Pell Grant. I mean, I think... This is true. I bet her, her parents would be able to pay for college, though. Yeah, she doesn't need it. Right. Hamilton needs it. Right. Anyway, so uh, everybody argues Hamilton says no. It, you know, it's not worth I, it. I accept it's not worth it. And he takes the fall. Which and sucks. It, it really sucks. And, and I mean, props to him for taking care of his, looking out for his dad and all, but... Not his dad, his whole family. Right. You know, I didn't think about it that way, so... Because he's probably got other siblings. I feel a little better about it now then, so either way, tear. But case closed. Well, I do love the part when, when they're leaving the house, Veronica runs after him and she's like, I'm so sorry that this is this is how it all shaked out. And he's like, it's fine. Like, Proust is still Proust, even if it's at UCLA. And which I was like, that's still a pretty damn good school. Yeah. <laughs> you can go to Oxford for grad school, but I also think it's funny because he's like, I'll take up some grants, I'll work a couple of jar, you know, loans, I'll work a couple of jobs, and he's like, in a couple of years, she'll be working for yeah. me. And it's true. It's like, I mean, he's a sharp guy. Right now, it seems like the world is over, but one of the greatest things about leaving high school is realizing that like high school is a blip in your life. Mm-hmm. Like there is so much more and there's so much you can do and places you can go and the, how much the world opens up after that, that it's true. Like this will all mean so very little in the long run. Um, and I, and it's nice that he kind of has that foresight where he's like, I'm going to be fine. I'm not worried about it. And honestly, like he's not worried about it. He's like, it's going to be, it's all going to work out. So moving on from the mystery du jour, we've got two kind of big things that happen in this episode. One kind of takes center stage, and that is learning a little bit more about Amelia DeLongpre, Abel Kuntz's daughter. Mm-hmm. It's actually where we pick up. It's where we left off. It's right where we pick up. So Abel Kuntz has a daughter. And seeing how Clarence Weedman is wrapped up in this, Veronica quickly comes to the conclusion that the Kane family bought a dying man's confession. But why? Mm-hmm. And because of the bug that Clarence sent to Veronica via that tacky-ass panda pencil sharpener, <laughs> he now knows that Veronica knows about Amelia. I was thinking about that. You know, somebody made that for the show, right? Like, there was some prop designer that made that. Nobody made that. They went out and bought that in a store. Yeah. Well, somebody made it. It's, it was made by somebody. Well, congratulations. 
you should find a different hobby. <laughs> so the clock is ticking. Veronica needs to find Amelia before Clarence does. This is a reoccurring theme in this episode. <laughs> Amelia is incredibly popular. Luckily, Amelia is attending Loyola Marymount in Los Angeles, and Veronica narrowly gets to her dorm and jets off with her before Clarence himself arrives at the dorm. Which, how did he get in? Is there no security in these dorm halls? Because we had, like, a locked door that you had to go through. We had a key to he that door. probably went through an unlocked window like everybody else does in this <sighs> game show. This would be creepy if you see a guy <laughs> in, a, in a black suit with a trench coat and a hat climb through a window. I mean, this isn't, it wouldn't be he the does, first time he broke into something in this he episode. He looks so spy versus spy when, in every episode. He's always got the hat on. I'm like, Clarence, the sun isn't even out. Why do you have a hat on? <laughs> it's just very... Because he's head of security for Kane Software. He doesn't have to wear it. Ex-FBI, ex-military. Yeah. Anyway, Veronica puts Amelia up in a hotel. She needs Amelia to prove her theory that Abel Kuntz took the fall and didn't really kill Lily. But the only problem is Amelia doesn't know anything. She's receiving millions in Kane's software stock, sure, but her mom told her it was an out-of-court settlement. She actually hasn't talked to her father in years. And it's in this B-plot that we really see Veronica's desperation come out. She makes some real shitty and then also very quick and rash mm-hmm. decisions. Like, she is desperate. And I think that desperation kind of causes her to misstep and misjudge what she does, and it doesn't play out well for her. Um, well, I mean, the situation, she has to act quick. This is true. And we see it especially in this opening sequence. She rushes over there. She pulls Amelia from her room with some story that she's Cliff's assistant. And in the parking lot of the university, she unloads on Amelia that her dad is essentially being paid to take the fall for a murder she doesn't think he committed. This is a lot. And for someone with her own fair share of family revelations, she you'd think she'd wear some nicer gloves with all of this. <laughs> And the real icing is that when Amelia, now at the hotel where Veronica has taken her, asks her, Veronica, how her father is doing, Veronica lies and says that he's fine. Because if Amelia knew that he was dying, she might not help her. That's mm-hmm. what Veronica thinks. Like, in her voiceover, she continues that. And I'm just like, ugh. Yeah, like that, that's, that was definitely a misstep. That is a misstep because what if he dies tomorrow, Veronica, and you knew, and you were the person who stood between a daughter getting to say a final goodbye to her father? Mm-hmm. Oof. I don't know if I personally would have ever forgiven Veronica for that. Mm-hmm. Even knowing Veronica? Even knowing Veronica. Yeah. Like, that's that's a hard thing to come back from. So later on... Um, Veronica kind of leaves Amelia at the hotel and she gives her a burner phone. She says not to use her own phone, not to leave this building, which is okay because Amelia also has finals and she needs to hunker down and Mm -hmm. study. But she needs to be able to take calls from her boyfriend because if she doesn't, he'll get worried and he'll send out the National Guard and the police and everybody to find her. But doesn't she have to still go to school? No, I mean, she might not have classes. Like this might be over a weekend. Well, I guess it's not over a weekend. I don't know. We, it, that's just, it yep. doesn't come into play. She's studying. <laughs> she's hunkering down. One dark room is the same as the rest. Mm-hmm. So a few days later, or maybe the next day, at Amelia's hotel room with, I loved this, Clash of the Titans playing on the screen. Oh, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Harry Hamlin, a.k.a. Aaron Eccles. Veronica tells Amelia most of what she knows about the shoes planted on Abel's houseboat and the canes falsifying their alibis. And Amelia tells us a few things that we didn't know about Abel, he felt slighted by Jake Kane. He was convinced that Kane stole the streaming software from him and vowed to make something even better. And he became obsessed with it. And when Amelia's mother accidentally spilled coffee on his work one day, Abel backhanded her. She and Amelia left the next day, and her mother filed for divorce. Did and- I miss miss something? Is there a reason why I thought that Abel was a janitor? No, he worked for Kane Software. Why did I think he was a janitor? I have no idea. Because <laughs> I, I was so really confused at this question. point. No, he's just an employee at Kane Software. Yeah, for some reason, I thought his employment at Kane Software was janitorial. I don't think so. I, I don't know where I got that from. Interesting. Yeah. So Amelia asks Veronica, why does she think the money is coming to her? And Veronica posits that maybe Abel is having the money go to Amelia as a way of apologizing for everything that happened. So later, uh, on another visit, Amelia asks Veronica for a favor. Can she arrange a visit for Amelia to see her father? For the first time in a long time, she really wants to see him. And Veronica tells her, sure. 
but it may take a few days. Mm -hmm. And then through her voiceover, she adds, just long enough to get the proof of the payoff. I mean, it would still take a couple days either way. Yes, but I'm like, ugh, moral compass, Veronica. (laughs) This girl wants to see her father, who is dying, who you know is dying, and you haven't told her that he's dying. She's thinking greater good, I guess. No, this she's thinking, I want to prove what I want to prove. Right. It's not a greater good. That's true. It's a very selfish reason, and I'm not blaming her for that. I know how desperately she wants to figure out who killed Lily Kane. However, moral compass, Veronica. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so what also happens in this episode is there is this scholastic excellence dinner at the Canes, which also kind of ties into the valedictorian we see that's where we see that um, Hamilton Chow is there. That's I think the first time we learn that he's kind of in the race for valedictorian, mm-hmm. or that he's one of these scholars, right? These senior excellence people. But Veronica is part of this junior class, right? That will inherit the senior status here momentarily after graduation. But at the dinner, which is at the Kane's residence, Veronica goes down this morbid road of imagining each of the Kane's murdering Lily. And by each, I mean Jake and also Celeste, Mm -hmm. trying to imagine what would have happened. Because right now, she's like, Abel took the fall. He's, they're doing it to cover one of them having accidentally murdered their daughter. And each instance is a moment that just got out of hand, out of control, an accident. It's not that either of the parents came and attacked her willingly. It it was an emotional rage thing. Um, So... Celeste goes and is angry about Veronica and doesn't want Veronica coming over anymore. And Lily says something like, that's no way to talk about your stepdaughter, you know, and does that kind of snarky retort to her mom. Her mom slaps her. She slaps her mom back. Her mom picks up this, like, really gaudy ashtray thing and hits her upside the head with it. And she dies. Is Is that what was determined to be the murder weapon? I think so. Okay. And, and then, but also, is that really Celeste and Lily's relationship? They are very. No, no, no. I mean, oh. I know how they act towards each other. I mean, like literally, are they stepmother, stepdaughter? No, she was talking about Veronica. Uh, so she's like, I don't want her coming around here. She was telling Lily that, uh, and Lily's like, Come on, that's no way. So she's assuming that. Got it. That Lily knew about Veronica being Jake Kane's daughter. Got it. Misread that one. Mm-hmm. And then for Jake Kane. Ver- Lily's out on the beach chair making out with Weevil. Weevil. And he comes out there and he's all in a rage about it and pulls Lily off of Weevil. And this one's a little bit wishy-washy. Again, it's not what actually happened. This is what Veronica is imagining might have happened to set each of the parents off. But this one would completely fall apart because Weevil would have witnessed everything. Right. And... There's no way Weevil would sit on that. Right. So Knowing Weevil. Oh, yeah. yeah. Weevil's a good guy. He would definitely um, crack for something like that. So anyway, so she has all of these imaginations. Now, here's a scene that happens without Veronica in it. But a day or so later, Keith walks out of the bathroom in their apartment to someone trying to break into their apartment. He goes over and casually opens the door, and there's Clarence Weedman lurking against the jam, trying to, again, wearing his hat and trench coat and suit. <laughs> Didn't hear you knock, he says, in that clever Keith way that really says, I know what you were doing. <laughs> and gracious as fuck, he invites Clarence in for some coffee. Clarence is looking for Amelia. Jeez. You mean the head of a corporate security team came to a little old PI like me? I'm flattered. I'm 250 a day. When Clarence hints that he thought Amelia would be there, Keith swears he has no idea who she is and he's never seen her before. Later that day, when Veronica gets home, Keith confronts her. He says for about an hour after Clarence left, he sat there, racking his brain, wondering what he had stumbled across that had the cane so worried. And then he realized it wasn't him. He hadn't touched the case in months. It was his 17-year-old daughter they were afraid of. He was proud. Proud, but then also just like, what are you? What are you doing? Because it's this is you've got Clarence potentially breaking into their house trying to find information, and he knows who Clarence is. He knows Clarence's background. Veronica doesn't really at this point. Mm -hmm. She doesn't until her father tells her. He is a guy to kind of be wary of, and for him to be on their doorstep is something for Keith to worry about. What is Veronica up to? And the stuff that she's doing, it's not like she's requesting the photos or the video from the TV station. Like she has taken Amelia who is who she, and she has found this whole thing with a payoff, all of this stuff and has put her hidden her somewhere 
this is and yes she went willingly under false pretenses but this is dangerous grounds mm-hmm. not dangerous but it's risky like no, it's she's dangerous. making some really big risks here so when veronica tells keith that amelia is abel's daughter and that she's willing to hand over the fake patent document we also learn that keith knows that abel Koontz is dying and that on the day lily was murdered jake kane called clarence five minutes before he claimed he arrived home Keith is convinced that the call was placed after he found Lily's body. And Veronica, again, does this whole imagination thing where she imagines Clarence showing up to the house with bags full of ice because Lily's core body temperature didn't match up to the supposed time of death. Mm -hmm. Amelia calls Veronica. Her mom has sent her the papers. And while Veronica is on her way over to get them, Clarence stops by Loyola Marymount and finds Amelia's boyfriend using his cell phone to call her. Veronica, remember, had given her the burner, the burner phone, but mm-hmm. Amelia said she'd have to still answer calls uh, from her boyfriend. Anyway, Clarence tells her that the woman, Veronica, isn't who she says she is, which isn't a lie. Mm-hmm. Long story short, Clarence gets to Amelia before Veronica could get the papers. Turns out Amelia was real upset to find that V failed to mention Abel's declining health. Yeah, and Clarence didn't say a, a, a lie. No. He didn't lie once, as no. far as we know. He was like... This is who she is. This is what's going on with your father. Do you want to sign it and get all the money now? Yeah? Okay. Here's $3 million. You know, what would you do if you had your own? Because she asks. Because Amelia's gone. She's disappeared. Right. And Veronica says, where did she go? And he's like, I don't know. Where would you go if you had your own Swiss bank account? Yeah. She could be anywhere. And that's, it's a dead end. Like, now they don't have that paperwork. They don't have somebody to testify where the money is going. Um, And this is a huge hole in their plan. So, there's one other thing that happens in this episode. One other? Mm-hmm. Just one? Just one. What is that one other thing? Duncan. <gasps> so, in between helping Sabrina with the whole who's harassing me mystery, Veronica is preparing her evidence for Amelia. She's at her dad's office, and she leaves her laptop unattended, which allows Logan, who drops by unexpectedly, to catch a peek. Mm-hmm. And when- it still bothers me that nobody freaking locks their damn computers in the show. Well, and it now, now it it's is. burned her. Now now it's burnt her. Mm -hmm. What do you think Lily would make of you investigating all the people who loved her? I loved Lily. Maybe if I didn't, I'd be able to drop this. Why is Logan there? Well, he's bringing her a check. Payment for Veronica helping with trying to find his mom. But Veronica rips up the check, despite being in desperate need of cash. Because, as she tells it, Logan's mom was always nice to her. I want to know how many zeros are on that check. Right? That would be really hard to rip up. Because she she didn't even seem to think about it either. She was just like, oh, rip, rip. Which, I mean, it speak, it's that's Veronica. That's her character. It's a very noble gesture. Even if she had thought about it for a second, she still probably would have ripped it up. This is true. And um, I mean, she didn't really do much. It's not like she expended a lot of money. It's not like, the, it's not like with John Smith where she mailed out all those letters. Right. She's you worked know? harder for less. Yeah. And I think given the tragic outcome of the whole situation. It's just one of those things where it's like, I mean, Logan's not going to like lose out with losing all of that money. But anyway, so at school sometime that week, Veronica pulls Logan into the journalism room. He's kind of like a gun waiting to go off. He has this information. He knows that she's got all of these files, that she's still looking into the murder, and she's afraid that he's going to tell someone, Duncan, um, anyone really. But Logan sort of, sort of reacts the opposite. What she found and what he saw on the laptop is making him question things that he knows to be true. Mm-hmm. So Logan shares that the previous year he was over at Duncan's house and heard him scream from the other room. He ran in to see if everything was okay, and he found Duncan with his hands around Jake Kane's throat. When he tried to pull him off, Duncan sort of snapped out of whatever rage he was in and was normal Duncan again. And no one, not Duncan or Jake, ever talked about what happened. And, Sounds about right. Yeah. And, and Veronica asks, like, was this after Lily's murder? He says, no, it was the week you and Duncan broke up. And I'm like, mm, I think it was more the weekend that Duncan dumped her. Because I don't really get the impression <laughs> that she was like, yeah, we should break up. She was like, why are you not talking to me anymore? So it was not a mutual breakup. Well, they, did, they still broke up. Well, yeah, but I feel like breaking up more so implies... 
like we made a decision that to end things. Dumping is like, yeah, I don't want to date you anymore. I need to even do that. He yeah. just ghosted her. Well, I mean, the break in real life. It, it's just different ways of getting to the breakup. The breakup happens regardless of how it happens. No. The breakup is the end result. I disagree. It's not the action. It's the result. I disagree. <laughs> anyway, this is important because after Amelia disappears, Keith takes out the file in his safe on Lily's murder and him and Veronica go through it. And he tells Veronica more of what he knows. He and also tells Veronica the, uh, the combination to get into a safe. Well, yeah. Well, he's at this point, he's like, all right, you have uncovered some really legit stuff. That was a huge break. It kind of goes with a lot of the stuff that I already know. So let's lay everything we know out here on this table mm-hmm. and let's figure this Which out. Which I wish they would have just done before all this happened because all, all the missteps with Amelia probably would not have happened if Keith was Maybe. Involved. Maybe. She wouldn't have hidden it from her father for sure. Mm-hmm. She would have involved him in that. But anyway. Um, one of the things that he tells her is that the night that Lily was murdered, he was the first one there. And he's questioning Jake and Celeste. They're sitting in these chairs, Duncan's catatonic rocking on a bench. And it turns out that the Canes were running a load of laundry, despite having two full-time housekeepers. And in that dryer was Duncan's soccer uniform. Mm-hmm. Maybe he pooped himself. Maybe. 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 I mean, he he did black out for a little bit. We well, know we that. don't know. We, we don't know. We know he blacked out. Well, we know he blacked out, but we don't know anything about happened. Yeah, he but pooped. obviously they washed his uniform. He pooped himself. Why you got to, like, <laughs> minimize the situation, Sean? This is a big mic drop but moment. You're not, like, yeah, he shit himself. That's minimizing. That's a pretty big deal for a teenager, especially. When was the last time you pooped yourself? Let's not talk about that. <laughs> Why did you have to take it here, Sean? This was like a big mic drop moment. <laughs> They found his soccer (laughs) uniform in the dryer, which means that they washed it, which means that there was evidence, which means it's very suspicious. Mm -hmm. And with Duncan's rage and blackouts, we're left to assume, and this is what Veronica imagines at the close of the episode, is that Duncan flipped a switch and went out onto the patio and murdered his sister. Mm -hmm. And that's how the episode ends, is with Lily's laying on one of the chairs out there and he comes up and she says you're blocking my son and she pushes herself up to look back at him and he's got this block and he just brings it down on her head and then and then the episode blacks out and that's how it ends so dun dun dun, 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 dun. all right so let's talk about what we loved about this episode i'm going to go first do it vinny van lo <laughs> we, i mean we already know this i literally that's just it it my favorite part about this episode was Everything and anything Vinny Van Lowe related. His entrance at Mars Investigations, him trying to talk himself up, all that pomp and circumstance about how he's got too many cases, but he's willing to farm them out at a discounted rate. You know, my, my rate's usually $500 a day, but I, I'll, I'll pay you 300 to get these jobs done and you'll make $200 profit doing nothing uh, because he's just so busy. I love that. And then I love Veronica coming over there in his his chrome and fake black leather office. And he's got this black pants, tight black shirt, little suspenders, fake mustache, gelled hair. Like he's very he's so cliched, (laughs) but so delightful. And he's just so funny. And I just love his character so much. And I'm just so excited he's here now because he he reoccurs. And it was one of those things, like, I remember when they were talking about making the movie and who was going to be in it. It was one of those things where I was just, like, fingers crossed, holding my breath, waiting for confirmation that Vinny would somehow make it into the movie. Um, And he did. Spoiler alert. And it's beautiful. So, it's just, he's one of those characters that you kind of love to hate, but you love more than you hate, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So. Which is, that actually leans into my my favorite part. Uh Uh-huh. Which is the part with Veronica in Vinny's office, mm-hmm. and while uh, she's leaving, and she leans in close and says, "Hey, you got something on your face? Oh, what, it was a potato chip." <laughs> she grabs his mustache and rips it off his face. So great, and he's like, "How? <laughs> Not cool, man. Not cool." But then also kind of badass. Like he's kind of also like, "God, she's got some cojones on her." Yeah, I think that is one of my favorite Veronica moments. Yeah. In the series so far. Yeah, and I think it's you know even as an adult. Like, he is an adult to her. He is a professional to her. Professional in loose quotes yeah. here. And she just, like, that's the level of respect that she has for him. She's like, come here. Let me just 
rip this off your face. Yeah. And his mom was right there too, which also makes it great. <laughs> I thought it was just it was a very well written, a very well timed mm-hmm. like everything was timed perfectly for comedic value. Mm-hmm. So your your MVP is Vinny? Oh yeah. I should just okay. I should just transition straight into that. <laughs> My MVP is one hundred percent Vinny for all the reasons I said. He's an idiot. He might also be a genius. He's lovable, but you also kinda hate him. Um, he's just a, a very well done character. And again, Ken Marino just knocks it out of the park with him. Like he's just such a, a larger than life character, but then is also very, he feels very real. Cause you just know those people who are just like, Oh my God, like eye roll, right. Whenever they open their mouth, he's just great. I love him. So <laughs> yeah, definitely Vinny Van Lowe is my favorite. Awesome. Well, my MVP, you're going to hate and I was actually struggling a little bit to find an MVP for this one. So I, I just had to sit back and like, who did I enjoy the most in even a large or small role? Mm-hmm. And it was Kaz. I knew you were going to say Kaz. You said something <laughs> earlier in the episode. You were like, more on that later. And I was like, fucking Kaz is going to be his MVP for always wanting, for being willing to jump off that a roof. That was really what it was. He was just so. I jump off the roof, as you told me. <laughs> I said, I wrote down, uh, he's my MVP, even with this fetish for jumping off of things. <laughs> He's such an idiot. Uh, but I don't know. I think he was kind of a lovable idiot in this episode. Um, I don't know. I, I feel for the guy. He's clearly hurting. And he and he he's really worried about Sabrina. Like, he, he was Maybe. legitimately out there outside trying to protect her. Like, that is why he was outside her you house. No, he wanted, he wanted to find the guy and mess him up. But I, you know what I also find that's really funny is I feel like as a teenager, telling somebody you'll jump off a building for them is such a, like, on the nose characterization of like that intense teenage mm-hmm. love where you're just like, I know it's reckless and dumb, but I would do it. Like you can't think of anything else. Like it's just, it's such a testament Teenagers to like, that's, dumb. that's your emotion is so intense that you have to think of something else that would be as equally intense. Yeah. I would capture the moon for you or oh some God. shit like that. Yes. <laughs> I would bring down stars from the ha- but like but I would jump off a building instead. Which I was like, what does that prove? You're gonna break your leg, maybe break your neck, maybe die. Who who, who does that help, Kaz? Yeah. Not a single person. Yeah. Well he's was he around when he when Duncan jumped off the uh the bleachers, the bleachers. that one time? And he's Idiot. just like, Well I, I you could do that. I, could do, I, I would do the building, not even the bleachers. <laughs> I would do, like, the top of the gym. But I, somebody's got to dare me. <laughs> or i got to do it for love. Or Sabrina's got to tell me to do it to prove myself, <laughs> prove my love for her. Oh, Kaz. So you're, he's your MVP for being just a lovesick teenager. Yes. <laughs> All right. Just a lovable idiot. But, see, we, both our MVPs we're, we're picking because they're lovable idiots. Is Kaz a lovable idiot? I think he, in this episode he was a lovable idiot. I didn't love him in the last episode or whatever the the Ruski one, but two episodes ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I liked him in this episode. Okay. All right. Well, that's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can find us every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. If you're enjoying the show, please consider dropping us a rating and a review. That helps others find us. If you'd like to reach out, find us on Instagram at Life After Mars Podcast or on Twitter at LifeAfterMars09. Hate social? Then you can email us, LifeAfterMarsPodcast at gmail.com. Until next week, marshmallows. Wild stallions! (laughs) Bye. Bye! Bye!